Good morning. How's, how's everybody today? Good to see you. Welcome to North Star Church. If, if this is your first time, we welcome you uh, to church here. And we hope that you uh, just sense the warm welcome of God's people. We're glad you're here and the sweet spirit of the, of the Lord is, is in this place. North Star is a place where, are you guys ready for this? This is like the 4th of July week. You may be rusty. North Star's a place where everybody's welcome, nobody is perfect, and that is like one fourth of July week. Week. Let's do it again. North Star's a place where everybody's welcome, nobody is perfect, and anything is possible. And I truly believe that. That's why we, be, we started North Star Church 11 years ago. We exist as a church to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. We exist so that those that are far from God will draw near to him through the power of Jesus Christ. How many know that it's the power of Jesus Christ that changes lives? Amen? How did you like how I did that? I did that. Uh, I'm back. I'm live. I'm back from Haiti. I got back last night. The, the, I left the team there. Um, they, they, they're good, and they're coming back today. I think maybe flying out this afternoon. And so they're safe, and uh, I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to spend the time with the, the Haiti team and just watch them and participate with them, being the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. It was an awesome, awesome trip except for the 12-hour public transportation bus ride I took Friday. Other than that, uh, it, was all, it was all good. Uh, I talked to them this morning, and I also talked to our team in Southeast Asia, um, Scott and Olivia McCord, father and daughter, uh, have been there for a week now, and I can't tell you the exact place because we're broadcasting, and it, it, there are security measures and security reasons. But they are in, they are in Southeast Asia. And uh, today, uh, Scott was preaching at one of the churches there. And uh, so we're excited about them. I was glad to, to be able to, to talk with those guys uh, to see what was going on. I'm glad to be a part of a church that's on mission with God. Amen. Uh, maybe God is speaking to you about joining him on mission. And so uh, I look forward to what God is going to be doing in your life and in the life of our church. Our church is, is strategically planning or and planning strategically. I have no idea if that means the same thing. I just know that we're planning strategically ways to reach one percent of the uh, the uh, 151,200 people who in our four county area radius of of where we are today attend no church on a regular basis that's 1510 people and we believe that that goal is really small but we believe that is our goal and our vision and so we're working at at trying to um, to do that. So in the meantime, share Jesus with people, invite people to church, and we'll share Jesus with them 
here. All right? Are you glad you came to God's house today? Say amen. amen. All right. Be turning to uh, Luke chapter 9. I'm going to begin with verse 57 in just a minute. Luke chapter 9. We're in a series called A Life That Follows Jesus. Now, I wasn't here last week in case you didn't realize it, but our, we had two pastors, one at East Campus, that was bringing the word. And on this in this series, A Life That Follows Jesus, last week we looked at a passage of Scripture. By the way, I watched it from the Dominican Republic last week, so I know it was good. And we talked about how uh, a person who follows Jesus um, sometimes needs to withdraw so they don't give up. I want to briefly reiterate what has already been said but sometimes we get burned out and sometimes we take a break or we quit well learn from Jesus okay I mean really learn from Jesus the one of his closest friends and his first cousin John the Baptist was uh, beheaded um, Herod ordered that to happen and John's disciples went and told Jesus they went and buried the body, and they went and told Jesus. Jesus was brokenhearted. He was grieving. And so the Bible says that he withdrew. And I just want to reiterate that sometimes it doesn't mean quitting or stopping. But sometimes we can be healthier spiritually if we'll just withdraw and spend time with our Heavenly Father. And then, while he was withdrawing and spending this time, the crowds heard that he had come, and so they were all hungry, and they needed uh, feeding. And so, in the midst of the pain that Jesus experienced, he moved beyond the pain and the, the, the sadness and being tired to still be used of God. And so, the, the final thing that we learned was that just use what you got right now. Sometimes people think, well, I, I hadn't got much, I, hadn't, I can't do much, I, can't, I don't know much, and quit whining. And seriously, and use what you've got at the moment that God gives you the opportunity. So, a life that follows Jesus, follows Jesus, that's one thing that it looks like. And then today, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture. Uh, let me just set this up. There were three potential followers. Potential. That doesn't mean that they followed Jesus, but they, they were potentially going to follow Jesus. As far as we know, these three guys never did, but, but we don't really know the answer to that. Uh, one came to Jesus and he said, I will follow you wherever you go. And I kind of like this guy. I mean, I will follow you wherever you go. And in fact, I really think it, it doesn't say that he, he shouted it out. I think he did. I think he said, man, I'll follow you. Wherever you go, I'll follow you. And Jesus, in a Shakespearean voice, said, foxes have, I don't know if it was Shakespearean, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man hath not a place to lay his head. Anyway. 
Uh, the second one, Jesus said, follow me. He, asked, he, he told him to follow me. And then the third one said, I will follow you. Now, what is a disciple that follows Jesus? A, a follower of Jesus, we learn from the disciples, this was their life. They woke up, they followed Jesus. They went where he went, they did what he did, they stayed where he stayed, they followed Jesus. It was their job description, it was, the, it was their life and their livelihood. They actually, literally, physically, visibly followed Jesus. Just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his followers, he said, now I'm going away, now you do it. You continue it on. Continue following me. Even though I'm not here, I'm going to send you my spirit, and I want you to, 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 to continue on. Now, 2,000 years later, that's what we're here doing. We're not here just to show up on Sunday. We're here to follow Jesus actually, literally, physically, and visibly. If you have your Bibles, look at Luke chapter 9. I'm going to start with verse 57. The Bible says, And as they were walking along a road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man hath no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, This potential follower of Jesus. He replied, Lord, just let me go and bury my father. Jesus said in verse 60, he said, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. He said, let the dead bury the dead. Uh, we, got, we got some work to do. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. What does it look like to follow Jesus? Uh, I like to think about it this way, uh, when, you, when you follow Jesus, I like to think about um, somebody that's been married for like 60 years. One of our church members' dad, uh, two weeks ago, passed away. I, I knew the family, uh, and uh, I was there in the hospital and just before he died, and uh, his wife said, you know... We've been married for 60 years. How are you married? That's older than I am. By a lot. Or, or at least by a little. I hate to lie from the stage, but no. How, do you, how are you married for 60 years? Because we followed Jesus. You talk to somebody else, wow, God has really blessed your business. How, how are you so successful? And 
and have accomplished so much. And it's because I'm following Jesus. Now, I believe that there, jot this in your notes, I believe that there are signs and signals and symptoms that should surface when you follow Jesus. Now, I want to try to like uh, break that down. I think that there are some signs. We love those signs. <laughs> we love the blessings, right? Woo, I'm following you, Jesus. And, and we get up and testify. I've been following Jesus. And, and everything hasn't been good. It's not always been easy. But I'm following Jesus. And he has blessed me. So that's the kind of blessings that uh, the signs, uh, symbols, signals, symptoms that we want to happen. I'm telling you, I'm just being honest. Uh, I like the blessings of God. And, and when I follow Jesus, I like to see Jesus blessing me. Amen? But I've come to understand as I read the narrative, the story, the Bible, that it's not always that way. Following Jesus is not always smooth sailing. If we could invite the first disciples, all 12 of them, well, 12 minus Judas, you can be excused, Judas, because he didn't follow Jesus. But if you could get the rest of them up here and say, hey, what was, you walked with him actually, literally, physically, visibly. What was it like to follow Jesus? They would say, you know, it wasn't real easy. Because when Jesus said, the foxes have dens, the birds have nests, but the Son of God hath not a place to lay his head, he said, that's true. And we followed Jesus wherever he went. We woke up and we followed him, and he didn't have that. If you could ask Peter, Peter, if, you, if he could come back from the dead and, and, and talk to us, Peter, what was it like to follow Jesus? Peter would say, I was crucified upside down for following Jesus. I think of a Southern Baptist missionary who on, the March, on March the 15th, 2004, by the name of Karen Watson. She had been on several mission trips, but she had felt God's call to the refugees and Iraq and the, the conflict had just broken out. She said, to obey is my objective and to suffer is to be expected. She said, my heart cares when some people think it's not wise. I take risk when some people think that it's unsafe. I dream big dreams when some people say that's not practical. And I expect when some people say that's not possible. She was driving and they were driving and their convoy was ambushed and she died on March the 15th. Just a few weeks ago, I was talking to a Ugandan pastor sitting in my office here. 
And uh, he was one, this will blow your mind, he was one of 50,000 people that had been recruited to come to America. That's scary. To convert America to Islam. But somehow, by the providence of God, he heard the gospel. He had found himself at, at a gospel meeting where the, the gospel was being proclaimed. And you know what happened? He gave his heart to Jesus. And he said, from this day forward, you and I cannot even imagine what this means. But he said, from this day forward, I'm going to follow Jesus. He went home and he told his, his mom and his sister, which was a much bigger woman than he was a man, and she attacked him. He showed me the scars. They said, are you going to tell your dad, your, your father? He, he was the imam, which means he was over the mosque, a very powerful and influential man. Said, yes, I'm going to tell him. His father came home, and he told his father, and they beat him, tied him up, threw him in the back of a flatbed truck, and took him many miles away and dumped him in the desert to die, and they never saw him again. It's not easy to follow Jesus. So as Jesus unfolds this story, I want to come back to each one of them and talk about what it means to follow Jesus. First of all, number one, Jesus said, the guy said, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, foxes have dens, birds have nests. Foxes and birds have it better than us. And they said, yeah, well, you're right. Because they're thinking, yeah, we, we ain't got anywhere to go either. Yeah, I understand what he's saying. It's not easy to follow Jesus, and it's not safe. Earlier in the same chapter, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said, Then he said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple. And, and look, he's talking to them in Luke 9, but he's talking to us. He said, Whoever wants to be my disciple, he must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. So this is what I believe. This is what I know from this passage. If you're going to follow Jesus, I don't know exactly what this looks like, but you're going to have to revisit your definition of home. Now, it's not saying, I'm not trying to say, all right, you're supposed to sell everything you've got, sell the boat, sell the truck, sell the bike, sell the and move somewhere. That's not, that's not what this is. God may be saying to somebody, I'm calling you to the foreign mission field or to the North American mission field, but to all of us, he is calling us here. If you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to have the understanding and the mindset that you're going to have to read Visit your definition of what home is. Home is like uh, a necessity. It's a security. Home sweet home. It's been proven psychologically, uh, scientifically rather, that uh, the brain needs the sense of home 
to develop properly. That's why our hearts are broken when we see the homeless. That's why we're, we don't want to see anybody without a home. Jesus said, if you follow me, you may have to revisit your understanding of home. And whatever that means for you, that security of home, that comfortableness of home. If you're going to follow Jesus and you need to follow Jesus, you've got to do that. Number two, Jesus said, follow me. And the guy said, I will. Uh, really, I, I will. But first, let me go bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. Now, Peter, I love Peter. I know what he was thinking. Hot-headed, impulsive, cussing Peter. Jesus, Jesus, come here. I mean, that, that's going to go viral. It's going to kill our campaign. I can see it now. Let the dead bury the dead. Dot com. I mean, it's going to be everywhere. We want people to come after us and follow us. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Now, for, the, for us, we're not and don't have a Jewish mindset. But to the Jewish man, he knew his responsibility was to his family. Now, I don't think personally that his father was on his deathbed and he was about to die. I just personally believe you can, it can be interpreted that way. I believe that he... His Jewish responsibility, it was the responsibility of the son to care for their parents in their old age. So what the guy, I think, what the guy was saying is, I, I'm going I'm to follow you, but uh, let me spend these last weeks or months or years with my family. That's my Jewish responsibility. And by the way, the only way a man, a Jew, could get out of that responsibility was if the high priest gave him permission based on the fact that he was serving in the temple. That's the, only, that's the only reason. That's the only way you could get permission. And he said, let, let, let me go just take care of my parents, and then I'll catch up with you. Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. What this tells me is, is that Jesus is more important than family. Whoa, wait just a minute. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I know what you're trying to say, yeah. But uh, he also tells me to honor my family, my mother and father, and, and I'm worse than an infidel if I don't take care of my, my family. And my kids, my kids, I can hear people say this, my kids come first, don't mess with my kids. Well, don't mess with my God. Jesus said, I am more important. Are you telling me to, are, you, are you telling me that I should just shirk my responsibilities? No, that would be foolish. I'm saying put Jesus first. Well, I want to provide for my family and provide for my kids. I want them to have the best experience growing up. And, but is Jesus first in your life? Is Jesus first? Jesus is more important than your family. That's biblical. 
And then third, Jesus said, the, the guy said, uh, yeah, I'm going to follow you, but look, I'm, I'm going to run home for a little bit and tell my family bye. And it wasn't just his family. It was, the, it was the picture of his comfort zone, his safety zone. He felt at home, at home, like last night. You, you just don't know uh, how glad I was, I was to get home last night, home. It's not only to be with my wife, but to, to be with my church, but I, this is my comfort zone. This is, this is it. I'm safe here. Jesus said to him, you can't look backwards. If you're going to follow me, you can't be looking back. You've got to be looking forward. So the guy, the guy will go, you know, I can just see how this plays out. He goes home and he says, hey, mom, sit down a minute. Who are you talking to? Don't you tell me to sit down. I'm your mom. I brought you into this world. No, it's not like that. Let's just sit down just for a minute. I want to tell you something. And she reluctantly sits down. He says, look, mom, um, um, I, I'm going to have to go somewhere. I'm, I'm going away. You're a what? Yeah, I, I'm going away. It's a girl, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I knew it. I knew if you kept hanging around her. No, it's, it's, it's not a girl. Uh, it's Jesus. Who? Jesus. Oh, I've heard of him, but I've never met him. You're not going nowhere. I, I've got to. Mama, it's going to be all right. We'll FaceTime. All right. It's going to be good. But the truth is, he didn't know if it was going to be good or not. Truth is, he didn't know if it was, it was going to be safe or not. And this is what I know. Jesus never promised safety or a perfect schedule. Now, I'm not just talking about maybe, yes, God is calling somebody to missions. But what I'm saying is, God has called all of us here, next door, across the street, down the road, at the gas station, at the restaurant. And he has called all of us, and it's not always safe. I would like to stand here and tell you that following Jesus is safe. I can't do that. It's not always safe. Your soul in Christ Jesus is safe. Your eternity is safe. Your mind may be safe, but your schedule is not safe. When you follow Jesus. And what Jesus was trying to tell these three potential followers is that he is far more sufficient, superior, beautiful, and sufficient Following Jesus, you'll discover that he is superior, he's greater, he is more beautiful, and he is sufficient as you follow Jesus. I can hear the disciples saying, uh, Jesus, but, I mean, let up, let the guy, let the guy go say bye. I mean, let, let him go bury his father, let him say bye, it's okay, 
and look, could, uh, could we have a tent or something to sleep in? Jesus is saying, when you follow me, I want you to know how satisfying and fulfilling it is to follow me. I think somehow as I was preparing this message, I just got this phrase stuck in my head. Uh, if we only knew. If we only knew. I feel sorry for these guys. I mean, these three potential followers. I mean, whoa. Glad Jesus don't talk to me like that. He does. If we only knew, we wouldn't feel sorry for them. Jesus told the woman at the well, said, if you drink this water, you will never thirst again. Mm. If we only knew. We're spending all of our time building our home, establishing our family, getting in our comfort zone if we only knew what it would be like if we said, God, I surrender my home. I surrender my family. I surrender my comfort zone, my safety. I surrender it to you. We let all these distractions, if we only knew, we let all these distractions, oh God, remove this from me. Fix this. And Jesus looks at you and he says, I'm the source of this. This is just a sign and a, and a signal that you're following me, keep on. It's going to be all right. You're going to come out on the other side. What about you? I'll follow you, Jesus. But, but, but first, I, I, I'll, I'll follow you. I'll serve in the church when, but, I'll, Invite people to Christ, but you know, it's, if, if I'm going to invite people to Jesus, uh, like, I'm going to have to change some stuff and change my lifestyle because it's kind of embarrassing and two-faced to be living like I'm living and tell them about Jesus. You are exactly right. If we only knew the difference that we could make locally, regionally, nationally, and globally, if we would just follow Jesus. Just a moment ago, I mentioned about the SBC Southern Baptist missionary, Karen Watson gave her life in full abandon to the Lord Jesus. I want you to watch this clip of her story. Karen was a member of our church. She took 
a number of short-term mission trips. And it was while she was taking those short-term mission trips that she realized that she wanted to do more. This was right at the beginning of the conflict in the Middle East in 2003. Karen's background was in security. She was uh, Kern County Sheriff's Department. So when she applied to the International Mission Board, they realized that she had a unique skill set. And uh, so they offered her an opportunity to go to Iraq uh, right after the invasion and help with uh, a security detail, plus working with women in country who were refugees. I was scared. I was really scared for her, but um, I wasn't going to talk her out of it. I knew it was God's calling. I knew that that's what she was meant to do. I remember that day when we were driving down the freeway after we had dropped her off at the airport, and I remember looking at my husband and said, I'm never going to see her again. And my phone rang pretty early in the morning, and uh, there was an individual on the line from Special Crisis Team with the International Mission Board that informed me that several missionaries had been shot and that Karen was among them. I turned to my wife, Cindy, and I said, do you remember where I put that letter that Karen gave me to read if something happened to her? And she said, of course I know where the letter is. And, and she went and got the letter, and then we opened and read it. March 7th, 2003. Dear Pastor Phil and Pastor Roger, you should only be opening this letter in the event of my death. Man, I don't know if I can read it. Well, it took a while to absorb what's in the letter. If you read it, it it's uh, a powerful, powerful letter. I mean, she speaks from the heart, and you can, you can feel that when you read the letter. You'll find in the letter her heart, her mind, her soul about missions. We have many people that have gone onto the mission field because Karen inspired them. We have church planners who are starting churches in the United States uh, who were greatly inspired by Karen Watson. And at her funeral service, there were numerous people that gave their life to the Lord because in the letter, she told me to preach the gospel at her funeral. <laughs> and we did. Here at Valley, there was a message that Pastor Andrew gave um, about missions and about the gospel being spread to all the nations, all the peoples. He raised the story again of a woman named Karen Watson who was a missionary who was sent from this church and was martyred in Iraq. And as I was listening to the words from this letter, um, I just couldn't help but know for certain that this letter needs to be made into a song for the church to, to sing to. She signed off the letter by saying, His glory, our reward. For us, it was just kind of a perfect picture 
of um, what the Christian life should be. That it's not prizes, it's not money, it's not people, it's not any of those things, it's, it's His glory. Um, it's His glory that's our reward. So I don't know if she ever expected it, but these words of this letter that are now lyrics to a song um, are going to live on forever and hopefully inspire many people to go and give their lives on mission for God. <laughs>